Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning. You can be seated for just a few moments. It's great to have you here. Who is excited about being in church today? Well, that's good. Hey, the first thing we're going to do, we have a lot of people who are just feeling sick this morning. Uh, So I've gotten several phone calls on that today or text messages. Let's take just a moment and let's pray for those who are not well this morning. Can we do that? Lord, we just thank you that we're able to gather today. Today's going to be a great, amazing day. We're going to have a great time worshiping you. We're going to have a great time hearing your word. We're going to have a great time of fellowship and eating downstairs. And then, Lord, we get to share the story of Christmas with our community. Uh, We're going to have a great day hanging out with each other and being a blessing here to the Ripping community. But, Lord, we lift up, Lord, those who are sick this morning those who are ill, those who are in pain, those who are suffering. Lord, we pray that you might move heaven and earth for your people today, that, Lord, those who are sick would be made well, those who are in the process of healing, that that would be a speedy and quick recovery. And, Lord, we just pray your anointing be upon those who are going through a season of hardship, that, Lord, you would meet their needs in extraordinary ways. We give you praise, glory, and honor, and God's people said... Amen. Amen. What an incredible week we've had. It has been crazy. Uh, it's just a little, a little maddening, I think. There were moments I thought this last week, I might be losing my mind. Uh, but thank goodness for our great leaders who kept me on track uh, and moving forward. We accomplished a lot of things this week, and we couldn't have done it without you. Can we just give a hand clap to all those who served this week, doing so many great things uh, we sang songs on Wednesday night at Assisted Living Centers. That was phenomenal. Uh, it was such a great time. Jeb was reading the Christmas story this week uh, over at one of our preschools. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we did bell ringing. We serving and being. You have Christmas cards. You can put those in the black. So our staff Christmas card is on that table. If you can pick that up and take that, uh, that's our Christmas card to you this season. We'd love for you to be able to have uh, one of those. Put us on the fridge. That way, every time you go to get something to eat, you'll pray for us. Amen? Uh, we'll appreciate that. We're going to have a great day today because after the service, we're going to have a lunch downstairs. Um, we're going to have a potato bar baked lunch. Uh, just be gracious as you go downstairs. Don't, don't, first, don't get in line right away. All right? Just find a seat. We'll let you know when it's time to eat downstairs. We'll have a great meal, and then we'll clean up from that. Uh, and we will get ready and do a rehearsal run-through for our live nativity, and then the uh, performance itself will be at 2.30. We're going to have a great time. And I forgot my Twinkies, so I've got a very angry donkey that somehow I've got to appease. So hopefully we don't have a walkout in the middle of, of the service today with the donkey, but I'm working on it. This is how contracts work, I'm, so we'll get that all taken care of. Uh, we're going to have a great time downstairs today. And uh, I just believe somebody's life will be touched and blessed by the activities that go on. There are no weekly activities here at the church this week, except for uh, on Wednesday night, uh, we will have Christmas Eve practice for the worship team uh, and those that are participating in that service. Uh, So just remember that 6.30 p.m. is practice for that. And then next Sunday is Christmas Eve service at 10 a.m. Are you excited? It is going to be a great service. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, And then we're going to have some great services to end the year and to start the year, so I encourage you to come to those. If you can be here live for those services, you want to be here. Um, I appreciate the fact that we're able to do online, like especially today, and we have so many that are out sick. But if you can be here live for those services, I believe God is going to touch your heart and do some incredible things. And so very much encourage you to be here live if you can be uh, the coming weeks here at Hillside. Well, are you ready to worship this morning? Well, let's stand to our feet. We've already prayed over people this morning, but let's do this. Let's invite the Lord to this house today. Lord, there is no Christmas without you. And Jesus, I know this season is one that of busyness, I think, for everyone. But Lord, let us not lose fact of what the Christmas season is about. Lord, it is about you. The greatest gift ever given to humanity was Jesus Christ coming, born to a virgin, living a life, 
showing us the example of what life can be connected to God. You lived, you died, and you rose again. And Lord, we can have a relationship with you because of that. Lord, I pray that your presence permeates this place today. Lord, may our hearts worship you in spirit and in truth. And may this house be a house of joy today. No matter what we have gone through this week or what is coming, this is a house of joy. This is a house of praise today. And God's people said, let's worship the Lord together. And as pastor said, here's the invitation. Oh, come, all ye faithful. The invitation given to the shepherds, the wise men, the people, and given to you and I today. Kathy's going to start us off here. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come, ye, oh, come, ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, Lord, the King. King of all days. King of 
salvation. I'll never know. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon this week how the scripture said 
Glory to God in the highest, the angel said. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Or in the New International, it says, upon whom God's favor rests. Believers in Christ, God's favor, his blessing, his goodness rests upon you. But I kind of asked myself, as pastor alluded to, Lord, where's the peace? Jesus promised us peace. In John 14, 27, he said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Jesus gives a peace that the world cannot give, but neither can it take away. So if sometimes you struggle in this season, as Pastor said, we're busy, we got lots of activities, you got to rap, you got to do this, you got to sing, you got to family. But just take time this week, this Christmas week, to allow that peace to come in. It says that you may have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding to keep what? your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Here's the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you bless you. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give
You can be seated uh, this morning. Kids, we're going to dismiss you at this time. If you haven't been dismissed already, they're already gone. That's great because Pastor forgot that. Worship team, thank you so much for, for doing all that. Um, we're going to do this. Uh, I know we prayed already this morning, but uh, we're going to pray one more time for service. Uh, and then we're going to do something that's not in the notes this morning. Uh, Lord, I just pray. Lord, my, my mind is in a hundred different places of the pastor of the church this morning uh, with so much going on. But Lord, in these next few moments, my focus needs to be on the preaching of the word. And Lord, I know everything will come together afterwards. It always does. But Lord, in this moment, that you would focus my mind on what you want to do in this moment with this body uh, and in the preaching and the receiving of your word. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. God's people said, amen. Amen. We're going to do something that's not in the notes this morning. Uh, If you're not with your spouse currently, but they're here here in the sanctuary, would you move to wherever your spouse is at uh, really quickly? Uh, if you're single, that's okay. No problems. This is not going to be the whole service. We're taking just a moment here. All right. And by the way, we're not going to try to hook up the single people this morning. That's not what we're doing in church. Uh, if your spouse isn't here with you this morning, for whatever reason, uh, this blessing applies to them. Uh, but I'm going to ask my wife to come. She has no idea what we're doing because this is just laid on me by the Holy Spirit this morning. Um, if you're married here, I would like you to look at your spouse in the face this morning. Christmas is a crazy time, a lot going on. But I want you to know as you look at your spouse, that is the most important blessing that God has given you if you're married. That person is your partner for life. And in this crazy season, we can be looking at a lot of different things, kids and grandkids and stuff we have to get done. But that relationship, is a blessing from God. Honor it, cherish it, make time for it this holiday season. We'd like to just pray a blessing over the marriages in our church this morning. Lord, you see all these different marriages that are here as a part of our church, those who are watching online, those whose spouse can't be with them today. But Lord, this is one of the most instrumental things that you have blessed us with is the ability to partner with our spouse. That we don't do life alone when we're married. Lord, help us in this holiday season to cherish the person and the blessing you have given us. Lord, if there are marriages here this morning that are struggling, that are in a rough place, that are going through difficulties, Lord, I pray, would you rekindle a fresh passion and a fresh perspective in our marriages? that this relationship is what matters. The other things, the car, the house, all the extras are just that, extras. Lord, help us to keep our marriages strong, to invest time and energy, and to speak the words that need to be said to our spouse, to encourage them and to let them know that they are loved. In Jesus' mighty name, and God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, I don't know who all that was for. Maybe it was for all of us, but definitely felt strongly that we needed to go in that direction this morning. Well, it's a, we're a week away from Christmas. I know mean, that's crazy to believe. I was in a meeting uh, with some city people this week. We were talking about some stuff, and, and they said, you know, how do you feel that Christmas is a week away? And I said, well, the hard stuff's kind of over now after, after this Sunday. We just got one more, one more kind of Christmas thing to do as a church. Uh, I said, but then I'll start thinking about Easter. Um, and so that's how, that's how it is when you're the lead pastor of a church. Um, so I was praying about, Lord, what, would you, what, what, what do you want me to do this Sunday? Do I do a, a precursor to Christmas? And I just felt like the Lord said, just keep rolling in Acts this week. I can, I can tell you this, we're not planning to preach from Book of Acts next week, all right, for the Christmas Eve service. But uh, today we're going to do that. We're going to pick up right where we left off. And, and this is a real nuts and bolts message. Uh, today. There's a lot of practicality uh, found in this passage of Scripture. So we're callings and conflicts, and we will end callings and conflicts uh, next, not next Sunday, but two weeks uh, from today with our last service of the year. Today we find ourselves in Acts chapter 14, 
uh, starting in verse 8, and we're going to get through verse 20. And I've broken the scripture up, and we're just going to hit a couple key, key points here as we go along. So let's start in verse 8. In Lystra, this is Paul and Barnabas, by the way. They're on their missionary journey. They've gone from one community to another. Now they find themselves in Lystra. There sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth, and he had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Now here is another example of where our English language is extremely limited. Uh, when I went back and did a little bit of digging in the original language, so what this does is to on the street and this specifically in this moment. If you can, in your mind, this is kind of, I think, the picture that we can kind of get from this passage is if you went to Dickens, anybody go to, went to Dickens on Saturday with the windows uh, downtown? If you've ever been to that, the street was just full of people, uh, right? And it's almost as if Jesus is, is with a very small crowd. As, as there's a bigger crowd in this area, but there's a smaller crowd. He's having a conversation, and here is this man who could not walk. There's a couple other things from just this passage that's very interesting. In biblical times, um, when you had a disability like this, a lot of times there was a lot of neglect that happened. Um, and during the day, what would typically happen is you would take that individual and you would help them get to a place. And, and really, their only, only real, for most part, thing that they could do was become a beggar. And so there were only certain places where these people associated. But yet we see this man not seem to be limited by that. He seems to be in a very community-driven place, and it does not appear that he is there to beg. That's very important, and we'll get back to that in a few moments. Let's pick back up with the scripture. Paul looked directly at him. So at this point, Paul's vision has gone from the men that he's talking to. He sees this man listening. And Paul looked at him and saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped and began to walk. What a Christmas story that would be. Wow. Wow. So let's go point number one. Let's look at the crippled man's response to the word of God. We see in this passage that there is this man, he's born uh, from birth and unable to walk. And the scene uh, would pull on anybody's heartstrings. Anytime, especially for those of us who know the Lord, who have grown in the Lord, who we've allowed the Lord and the Holy Spirit to soften our heart, anytime that we see injustice, abuses, cruelty, tragedy, there's a question that seems to come to mind. And it happens in the secular world too, because we hear this all the time. How could God let that happen? Let that happen. How could this man be born without the ability to walk? And it's just not that. If you look at our own culture today and our own lives, if you look just over the past month, the last four weeks, think of some of the tragedies that we've seen. A mass shooting on a university where the professor was the shooter. Horrific actions, and this is going back further than a month, but horrific actions that happened with the terrorists on October 7th. Uh, when they invaded Israel, and the things that they did were barbaric, absolutely just unbelievable. Just, just last week, we had tornadoes that ripped through Tennessee, and there's other examples that we can pull from, and the question is, is how could God allow this to happen? But that is never, was never God's intended plan. It was never God's intended plan. We live in a very broken world due to sin, <laughs> And we're the ones that brought sin into the world because we can't seem to obey God. It started with Adam and Eve, and I will just be honest. We can say, well, if Adam and Eve just wouldn't have done it. The truth is, if any of us were there, we would have done the same thing. We would have done the same thing. And so we have a broken world. The question that really shouldn't be asked is not how could God allow this to happen, but what is God going to do about it now? Now that this, we, we are aware of it, now that we've seen something happen, now that there is a tragedy, what now will God do about it, and how will he mobilize his people to engage with it? 
Last week, we prayed here in service for the churches in the Tennessee area. Why? Because many of them canceled services. Why? Because they saw something that had happened, an injustice that was taking place, people in hurt, people in pain. And instead of sitting there and going, hey, let's just worship and do what we always do, they said, look, there's a response that God has for us. Let's get out there. Let's love on some people. Let's in heartache, fresh water, or others. That's the kind of church we want to be. When God calls, we want to be able to respond. Now, there's also the fact that those, those who are churchy, right, would say, well, what type of sin must have this person's parents done that he was born crippled? It's a very dangerous place to be, church. Very dangerous place. Now, yes, there are consequences to sin. Absolutely. But that is not a biblical mindset, because I want to tell you, if you look at the Bible as a whole, the greatest men and women of God found themselves in very difficult, challenging hardships in life. What did Daniel do to deserve to be fed to a hungry pack of lions? He prayed. (laughs) It's not sin. Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego said, we won't bend down and we won't worship false God. All right, let's throw them in a furnace. (laughs) Be very careful. And like, I, I know, I don't think there's anybody here that necessarily would say the, those things out loud, but sometimes we can think them here. Be very careful when we look at people and just to go, well, they're in that mess because of their sin. Sometimes we don't know that. We don't know that. And here's the greatest thing about our God. Whether we are in a mess by our own choices or whether we're in a mess because life happened, God still comes to rescue us. That's the good news of the gospel. How great is our God? He's like, look, sometimes, sometimes we get there and we're in a mess, but sometimes we get there ourselves. We've dug ourselves into a pit and a hole. There's water coming in. It's filling with mud and water. We're going to drown. God goes, I'm going to come to your rescue, but all you have to do is ask me to because I love you that much. So here we see, going back to the scripture in verse 9, it says, he listened to Paul as he was speaking. He heard about Jesus, and when he heard about Jesus, something happened. Something happens when you, when you hear and you listen and you respond to the word as it's being preached. There's something internally that begins to happen inside of you, and something happens here. It says that Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had the faith to be healed and then called him out, stand up to your feet, and the man jumped and began to walk. Here is the takeaway from this passage right here. The word produces faith, and faith produced healing. The message of phenomenal hope is for us today. Just because something is a certain way in your life does not mean that it will always have to be that way. Your experiences of the past do not have to be your experiences tomorrow. Did you hear that? Okay, you may have experienced racism in the past. doesn't mean that you have to experience it tomorrow. You might be in an unhealthy relationship or have had unhealthy relationships in your past. That doesn't mean that your relationships moving forward have to be unhealthy. Your marriage might be stuck today. It doesn't mean it has to be stuck tomorrow. Tragedy may have occurred this week. Tragedy may be occurring today, but it doesn't mean that tragedy has to be in your life tomorrow. One last thing about this before we move further on in Scripture. Like I said, it does not appear that the man was, this man was not looking for his healing. He was doing life, and he heard the word of God, and the word of God produced faith in him. Now listen, I want to be very clear. It is okay to ask God to heal you. It is okay to do that. The word tells us to do that. Here's when it becomes a problem. When all we do is seek that. And we sit here and say, well, I'm just waiting for my my miracle. I'm waiting for my healing. And we just sit and we wait and we wait and we wait from leprosy. I've experienced these kind of healings. It's not that I haven't prayed for things. I've, I've prayed for healing, but I, I get to a point where the Spirit speaking, the Word is motivating. It says, look, you can't wait 
to be healed, you got to start moving in the things I'm calling you to do. Sometimes our breakthrough comes when we begin to move forward with where God is asking us to move, and our healing shows up in the middle of the street out of nowhere. I've experienced that kind of healing. I believe that you can too, and maybe you have experienced that. Can I tell you the greatest thing we can do is be obedient to the word of the Lord? To be obedient when the Spirit speaks and says, go and do. The word produces faith, and faith produces transformation. Your life, your situation can be changed today if you allow God's word to produce faith in your life. That is the takeaway. The word of God must be the thing that we focus in on. Acts 14, 11. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in Laconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths and the city, uh, uh, to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Here is the thing. In this busy, bustling street, as things are happening, a man that people knew to be lame from birth gets up and just doesn't walk. He is jumping and dancing and doing all sorts of things, and rightfully so. And people see this, they, they're aware, this man was not capable of doing this, now he is, it seems to be tied to these people, and chaos begins to ensue. It's important here, the point to take away is we need to be careful how we interpret our experiences in our life. Miracles by themselves do not produce either conviction or faith. They must be accompanied by the word. This was a superstitious crowd that interpreted the events in the light of their own mythology. They identified Barnabas as Zeus and Paul as Hermes, the messenger of the gods. One of the dangers that I see sometimes is people try to interpret their experiences and then begin to create doctrinal or, or, or truths that they begin to follow based on their experiences. And then they try to shoehorn their doctrine into the scriptures. But that's exactly backwards. And that's probably even more the case for those of us who come from a Pentecostal background and Pentecostal church. Just bear with me for a minute. As Pentecostals, we believe that the Spirit is interactive with his people. God's Spirit interacts with us. Amen? That's a good thing. It's a good thing to be Pentecostal, okay? That's a good thing. And so when, when we think about how we interact with God, we, we, we are more open to emotional uh, responses, emotional reactions. We believe that there are moments that there are tangible things as we interact with God. Amen? Amen? And so you're with me so far. And here's, here's where it becomes an issue, is when we try to view our experiences and then try to shoehorn the experiences into the Word of God. It needs to be the other way around. God's Word needs to be a window in which we experience our life. It is the lens in which we see. Imagine for a moment, if I take these off, and some of you have minor stigmatisms, I have a major one. You've all disappeared. <laughs> I have no idea. There's just... Uh, but uh, see, I did this. I'd be, they'd be like, who is in church today? I have no idea. Why? Because I, I need to have the proper lenses put on. And then I can see properly. And that's how we need to see our experiences. It becomes very dangerous we try to make doctrine out of experiences instead of allowing the doctrine to come from the word of God and then putting our experiences in that place. There is a reason that Paul speaks about this in 2 Corinthians 13.1 and says, when you're, when you're giving witness, it is important to have two to three. Why is that? Paul understood something. Our memories aren't great as humans. 
And when we recall things, we can tend to add things and forget things. And look, even me giving testimony about things that are years ago, we have to put into perspective that my memory is not perfect, <laughs> right? I'm doing the best to recall that experience. And I always try to make sure that when I am sharing those things, that first I'm putting them into God's words filter. Let me give you an example where this can go, go wrong, and it's going to be silly. And I want to be very careful because I realize that probably all, all of us do this at some, some level. We do this. We, we, we interpret our, our life and experiences, even the experiences we have with God, and sometimes we put those experiences before the Word. Um, for me, there are times, it's just not all the time, but sometimes when God is moving in very spe- special ways in service, that my body has a reaction. And those who've done ministry with me close, close to me will, will pick up on this. Uh, my knee tends to bounce a lot when there is a, a specific move of God. Um, in fact, a couple weeks ago, I was playing the drums, and I could tell that the Spirit was moving in church. And I, I was already emotional, so I remember the drums crying, but then my knee wants to start bouncing. Well, I'm playing the drums <laughs> Sunday morning. I, I like literally having this. I'm just being vulnerable here. I'm having this conversation with the Lord. I'm like, this isn't a good time. I'm like, <laughs> and so here my knee wants to jump up and down, and it's on the hi-hat, and I'm like, well, if, I, if that starts doing that, drums are going off the hook. Robbie's going to look at me like, I don't know what's happened to Pastor, but he has gone off the rails. So if you look at back at the video from a couple weeks ago, you'll notice that I shift my weight completely onto that leg as I'm trying to play drums. And I'm not a great drummer, but I'm like, so my knee, instead of going up and down, is doing this number behind the drums. Now, it would be very easy to turn that into a doctrine, right? Well, the Spirit's only moving if my knee's moving. No, that's stupid. <laughs> that's stupid. I can sense that the Spirit's moving without that. It's just that sometimes when the Spirit moves, my body responds. I don't, I don't know where that is. I'm not trying to make a biblical doctrine. Don't write a book on that. Don't try to sell that theory anywhere. I'm just telling you that's my experience. But I don't let that influence how I do service or how I'm going to preach or, or that anything else is going to happen. In our last church, I shared about this last week, uh, God tended to use me a lot more in the gift of, of, of speaking a word of, of wisdom, knowledge, or prophecy in, in the church service. And almost all the time when that was happening, my wife would go, well, I know it's coming because I can feel the bench moving because <laughs> pastor's leg's going. But that doesn't have to happen for that gift to take place because the word doesn't say that. Amen. Right? right? So I... I'm sharing this in confidence with you guys. I'm sharing this, being vulnerable with you guys to just give you an example. Don't turn that into a false doctrine. You might go, but pastor, would that really be that harmless? Here's the thing, guys. False doctrine can start small and it grows incredibly fast. On characteristics of false doctrine, I'm gonna read through them pretty quickly, but if you want to go deeper in that, I've got... A, a document that I can give you that we put together. Uh, I've got five copies here, but I'll email it to you. I'll print more copies just of talking about these, these nine things in greater depth. But, but we look in Galatians 5, 9, and, and here we see Paul address this. He's like, false teaching is like yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Bad, t- bad doctrine is not good for us. We should strive to get closer into the Word of God and allow that to be the perspective that we have. So here's the nine things false teachings and doctrines bring. Number one, false doctrines cause followers to submit to spiritually blind leaders. When you start following false doctrines in your life, you'll follow somebody who has no clue where they're going with God and may not even have a genuine relationship with Jesus. It's crazy. False doctrine causes followers to obey the teachings of men instead of the doctrines of God. False doctrines create hypocrisy and a counterfeit Christianity. We talked about that just a few weeks back. False doctrines lead to people becoming followers of men instead of followers of God. False doctrines lead to spiritual bondage and legalism. False doctrines lead to devotion, to teaching of demons. That's eventually where this goes. It starts small, but all of a sudden we're doing all sorts of crazy things. False doctrines encourage sin, pride, and rebellion. 
False doctrines create counterfeit Christ and false concept of, biblical, of the biblical God. And false doctrines gives false teachers abusive control over their followers. And just reading through these, I can think of a couple of examples. It started in California, but it's really kind of gone all sorts of places lately. You've heard me talk about it before, but these people that have gotten into this grave-soaking idea. By the way, it's not, there's nothing wrong with going to a cemetery and, and, and seeing not seeing, but you know what I'm saying, visiting. You know what I'm saying, going to a cemetery, laying flowers, doing it. There's nothing wrong with that. But grave soakers believe that if you go to great men of God that, or women of God, you can stand over their, their tomb. You, you sit there or you lay over it and you soak up their, their anointing. Guys, that is demonic. <laughs> that is demonic. There is, there is nothing in the word of God about that. And they, they take one instance that's in the scripture um, about a prophet who was buried, and some guys were running around. There were some raiders. They threw this dead body into this tomb, and when the tomb came in contact with the, the prophet's body, the guy came back to life. That's, that, that's not a doctrine. <laughs> that's one-time thing that for some reason God did. Uh, I don't think we should be spending our energy time uh, going after that kind of craziness. And we talk about abuses, um, the Kansas City prophet movement's been around for a long time. It's in the Midwest mostly, but it's, it's spread to the coasts as well. They, they have really gotten into this whole prophetic and the word and things like that. And we believe in those gifts. We talked about that last week, but they, they've now taken this to extremes and they have what they call prophet rooms, prophecy rooms. And people travel from all over the world, go to these churches, they get in a room with one person and, and, and then we're saying, we're mandating, the church mandates that God speaks through this one individual to give somebody a personal prophecy. That's incredibly dangerous. We're telling God how he has to operate. Who controls the gifts? The Spirit does, not us. And the Spirit can decide yes, no, maybe, and it's his decision when to operate and how to operate. By doing that, we're mandating God to move in a very specific way. That is ripe for abuse. Ripe for abuse. I don't, I don't even need the Holy Spirit to tell me that's a bad idea. I'm like, just on the surface, that's a bad idea. Do you see where I'm going with this? We need to make sure that we allow the Word of God to be the thing. They're just trying to say, I was like, you poor guys have been all over the place and you just get beat down. And now it's like, you see that God wants to do something. You step up, this guy gets healed. It's like celebration. And they're like, all right, we're going to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. And they're like, what? What? Let's see their response to the crowd. And this is starting in verse 14. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. Man, to their credit, thank goodness, these two men were humble. They were like, we are just like you. We're just like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things uh, to, to the, to, to, let's try this again. You to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even these words, they had, they had difficulty keeping the crowds from sacrificing them. Even as they're explaining this, the crowd is still, they're in a tizzy. They're all, all done up. They're not really responding to the words they're saying. Oh, and then verse 19 comes along. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. Remember, these are two cities that, that they got ran out of. So here comes some troublemakers from these other towns. And what did they do when they ran him out of town? They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. 
But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. Let's go round two. <laughs> the next day, Barnabas left. He and Barnabas left for for debris in Lystra. Here they are, and trying so hard to do the right thing. I'm going to tell you, sometimes we try so hard to do the right thing, but the results aren't what we want. I think Paul and Barnabas were broken. Like, here we are, we're trying so hard to do what God called us to do. Yet this is the reaction. And they're, they're pleading, they're tearing their clothes, they're emotional. I'm like, guys, no, this is not what we wanted. This is not our desire. This isn't what God wants. And, and here is another opportunity. And, and Paul's one. If there's an opportunity, he's going to take it. He sees a platform, and he takes it, and he begins to communicate. And he's like, guys, God loves you. And even in the midst of your sin, he has had tremendous grace with you. And he's calling you now to a relationship with him. And here he is. But there's this thing to take away. I mean, one minute Paul, Paul was a god in their eyes, and the next minute he, you know, they're going to worship him, and the next minute he's a criminal to be slain. They take him out of the town and they stone him. Wow. It's a good point for us to remember. Crowds can quickly become a mob with the right instigation. And sometimes it does not take much. I find myself, whenever I go to anything anymore, praying before we go and while we're there, Lord, just please don't, don't let one stupid person do something stupid to ruin this. I, I loved Dickens so much, so much. And I was down there, and the whole time I was praying, I told Mandy this this last week. I, th- I said, I just was praying, Lord, just protect our community. Don't have one for all of us to pray that way. Disciples' response. So here we are. Let's see the disciples' response to Paul. Here we see that these are new believers in Lystra. uh, And there was a crisis situation for them. Here they are. They've heard this. They responded to the gospel. And then all of a sudden they see their culture. They're trying to worship Paul. They see Paul get up and he's like, no, we're not doing this. Then these troublemakers show up, the mob forms, they take him outside, they stone him. As if you're a new disciple, new convert to Jesus, you kind of be, got to be like, what, what, what? <laughs> like, it, this was really good when we were talking about joy and peace and all that. The, the preacher just got taken out and stoned in the street. Like, faith becomes real at this point. You're rather walking away or you're all in. Thank goodness there were some men and women who said, we're all in. We're all in. We've heard the word. The word has produced faith in us. We have responded to this faith. And and we're going to keep moving forward. Thank goodness. So here they were. Paul gets stoned, and they gather around him. They join their hearts. They pray for him, and i got to believe that's the reason that God raised him up. Now, was Paul dead? I don't know. I don't know if he was dead. I know this. He was hurting. (laughs) He was hurting. But for a man to be able to get back up after a stoning and then to walk back into the city, that's some honoriness there. And I believe he was being led by the Lord. I believe he was being led by the Lord. He also realized, I'm not going to stick around here tomorrow. Uh, I'm going back in town. They they didn't bring our suitcases. I'm going back for my suitcases and my stuff. All right? I'm going back for my change of clothes, and then we'll leave tomorrow. And I got to think to myself, maybe this is the very moment where Paul gets stoned. This is the only, only place where we see this. Paul gets stoned, but this is the city that Timothy would eventually come from. Wouldn't it be something if this very action that took place was the very thing that drew Timothy to the gospel message? We don't know, but I think it's important for us to realize when there are moments that things don't go the way that we planned, people's people's responses are not, that's not... 
up to us. That's not my responsibility. Your response to this message is not my responsibility. It's taken me a long time <laughs> for God to teach me that. But that's not, that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to be obedient. Your responsibility is to be obedient. At your workplace, in our community, the response, that's between individuals and God. That's on them. Today, we're going to go out. We're going to share the true meaning of Christmas. We're going to have an opportunity for, for people to come back if they don't have a home church, to come back and experience uh, Hillside Assembly in a service. That's, that's up to them. Now, if everybody that comes today is already plugged into a healthy church, awesome, great, there's nothing. We're not out anything. But let's be, let's be responsible with what we have, with the message that we've been given. Two things to take away from this. We're getting ready to close. Mike, if you'd come and just be willing to just maybe strum on the guitar for me here as we close the service. When you're in need, God will send the right people at the right time. Paul was beaten, stoned, maybe dead. Yet the disciples showed up and prayed. I don't know where Barnabas was. <laughs> but God, I have help. You've got to send somebody. And I have always seen when I, and it's not just, it's, I got to realize this, it's not our perspective, it's from God's perspective. And when God says, you need help, I'll send the right people at exactly the right time. A few weeks ago, I'm in the emergency room, really discouraged. I'm like, Lord, I'm back fighting something that I had to fight years ago. Why? Why? I thought this was over and behind me, discouraged. But God would send a Pentecostal doctor to have a prayer meeting with a Pentecostal pastor and his wife because God sends the right people at the right time. You are not overlooked. God has the right people headed your way for exactly the moment that you need. The other thing, is God will always use whatever tragedy, burdens, and struggles that you have in your life to do something in the kingdom. Yeah, it may not work out the way that you want right now, but maybe what you went through is raising up a Timothy that you just can't see in the moment. Church, if you would, would you stand to your feet? I'd like to pray a blessing over you today. There is no pain, no frustration, no tragedy that is wasted in the kingdom of God. God is the original Pinterest. Those creative little projects. My, my wife watches it on YouTube, I think, or Facebook. She's these crafty ladies. They go to the dollar store. They buy a bunch of stuff. They put stuff together, and it's like, wow, these amazing, immaculate, incredible creations I got to tell you, that's kind of how God works. He'll take stuff like clothespins, things that seem so meaningless in your life, but then he'll put them together and create something beautiful. If you've experienced moments of pain and frustration and anguish in your life, I'm telling you, God will take all those little bits and pieces. He'll put together a mosaic and make something absolutely beautiful if you'll let him. But don't become bitter. Don't become angry. Let God have it all and let him do something beautiful. Let's pray through what we've heard about in the scripture this morning. Lord, your word produces faith and it is faith that produces transformation. I pray for my people today that, Lord, you may produce faith in their life and their faith may produce transformation. Yesterday's experiences don't have to be tomorrow's. Lord, we pray for you to help us. Holy Spirit, we need you to help us interpret our experience through the lens of the word. That, Lord, we do not want to run after false teachings and false doctrines, and they can sneak in. They're so sneaky sometimes. 
But Lord, help us to get into your word. And when your word says something that doesn't line up with our experiences, it's our experiences we got to let go. And we got to cling to the word of God to be healthy, a healthy church, healthy individuals, healthy families, healthy marriages. Lord, give us confidence to confront false teaching in our own life. Lord, please send us the people that we need in our life in the moments that we need them. And Lord, help us to be the people that you send when we need to be somewhere, whether it's Dollar General or Webster's or the gas station, a neighbor across the street. You put us where you need us. And Lord, help us to see the opportunities when they arise. Help us to hear the voice to go, this is the moment. You need to step into this moment. You need to step into this conversation. You need to say hello to this person. Sometimes we think it's just the, it's so small that I can't be God, but Lord, you're in the small details. And Lord, small seeds create big trees. Lord, help us to see that the small things produce life. And help us, Lord, to plant good seeds in our life and in our community. And Lord, I pray for this afternoon. If no one shows up, it'll be okay. I know that there'll be people that show up, though. Lord, I, specifically for some young person today. Maybe it's a kid that's in our church. And just being a part of the live nativity just speaks to them. It resonates with them somehow. To see that all these people come together and eat a meal together and then to just do a, a kind of fun activity in the church parking lot. That Let us not think that that's a waste of time. It, it can impact a young person's life. Maybe there would be a child that comes and sees it presented and they hear Jeb and Adrian tell the story and they, they see it lived out that might plant a seed. That seed grows into faith. That faith grows into transformation. And maybe you might call them to be a missionary or a teacher, a doctor or pastor. We don't know. We won't know necessarily the fruit of today. But Lord, something small can produce something great. Maybe there's a future Timothy in our midst today who by what we do, by what they experience, might come to know you as their Savior and may go on to serve you in great ways. Lord, I know that you love us. And Lord, can we just say that we love you? We love you, Jesus. We love our church, our nation, but God, you've caught in the midst of dark. We have a little bit of sunshine to dry out our parking lot. Uh, Lord, may you help us today. The God and all the details that maybe we overlooked from parking and all these different, it's all just gonna come together. We're gonna work together. We're gonna be teachable. We're gonna come together as the church. This is not complicated stuff, and we can do this. And Lord, we just pray a blessing over every person here today. Lord, may we serve you, and may we serve you well. In Jesus' mighty name, and God's people said, amen, amen. Here is the plan. Uh, we're gonna move to downstairs, uh, find a place to sit, and when the food is ready, we'll pray for the meal, and oh, we need to pray for the offering. We'll do that too. Uh, so we've got, we're gonna pray over the offering. You can give in the offering as you, leave, as you go. If you're staying for the meal and you wanna hang out with us, and if you weren't planning to be a part of today, and you want to be, there is a place for you. Okay, there is a place for you. We've got food, and there's always room. Um, stick around. Be a part. We would love for that to happen. Uh, let's pray over offering. We'll make our way downstairs, and then have, find a place to sit, and then we'll pray over the meal and get you lined up and get you fed. Amen? Amen. Lord, we just thank you for us being the church. Lord, we pray over our tithes and offerings today. That, Lord, you would take what comes in, and that this church would be able to do more with it than we ever thought possible. Lord, this last week, I looked at our numbers from 2008. And I know just before that, there was a point in time where this church, I know Kathy prayed that they would be able to pay payroll. That was years ago. And she told me one time that there was just $4 left after they paid the bills. And we look at where we are today. 
and you have honored the prayers of your people. Your people have, have participated, they have given, and Lord, you bless the resources of this church. We pray you would continue to do so because we want to be a light in this community and we want to invest financially into this, into this community, into your kingdom, that you would do great things. We want to invest in missionaries that take the gospel message to places. So Lord, I pray that those finances would be blessed. And Lord, I pray those who give, that you would meet their financial needs in incredible, incredible, incredible ways. And God's people said, amen. You can give to the Lord today.